trust you're well, it's raining outside, so you're in a good place. I'd rather be in a church on a rainy day than on a beach on a rainy day. I don't even know why I said that, but <laughs> somebody said, I'd rather be out fishing thinking about God than at church thinking about fishing. So I don't know what you'd rather be doing, but I'm glad you're here today. And before we get into the word, I want to just recognize and honor all our military service people, men and women that have served faithfully. But before we clap, can we have all those that have served in the military, will you stand and can we take a moment to honor you guys and appreciate y'all? Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your service. We're honored that you are with us today and Thank you. My dad was military for 23 years in the Army. My, my father-in-law was in the Army. And I'm, I know a little bit about the lifestyle, and I'm so grateful for men and women that will sacrifice and give their all so that we can experience what we're even doing today. We're a blessed nation. We still are the greatest nation in the world, and I'm, I'm praying that our best days are yet to come. Amen? Amen. I also wanted to make you aware of Caritas. We've been talking about it a lot. But uh, July 17, uh, June 17th through July 1st, we'll have 32 men that will come to our church. It's like a missions trip, but they come here. And uh, we want you to find a place of service. You know, the Bible says, when you've done it unto the least of one of these, you've done it unto me. And so during those two weeks, we have an opportunity to do it unto one of those uh, least. And so there's a place for you to serve, either if it's staying the night with them, if it's just walking around and loving on them, if it's serving a meal, cooking a meal, whatever you want to do. They say that the the guys that come say that Clover Hill is like the resort of all the places they stay. And so we just want to do better and bigger and make it even a greater experience for them. All inclusive at Clover Hill for these 32 guys. So do your part. It'll be great. We've been in a series on unlikely. We've been looking at characters in the Bible. And, you know, all of them have issues. And the one we look at today has an issue. But his name is Abraham. He started out Abram. And he's called the father of the faith. He, Hebrews in 11, he made the hall of faith. And Paul even said when he was trying to let us know that you're not saved by works, but you're saved through faith, he used Abraham as the example. So, so I think today what's so important about Abraham? What can we learn from his life? What, what can we emulate? What, we, what can we stay away from? Here's what Abraham, and to really get it, you got to know the story first, and then we'll apply it. And the story's found in Genesis 12 through like 22, and that, more verses to one man than almost anybody else in the Bible except Jesus. And, 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 and God comes to Abraham, he's 75 years old, and he gives him a dream. And, I, and I've kind of broken this down to five stages of Abraham's life just to make it easier for me and maybe more memorable for you. But he gets a dream, and, and, and God comes to him and says, hey, Abraham, I, Abram at that time, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to, you're going to, you're going to leave a legacy. You're, you're even, the savior of the world is going to come through you. And I just want you to know, whoever blesses you is going to be blessed. And whoever curses you is going to be cursed. And I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing. And, and, and God gives him this, this great dream. Oftentimes, when, whenever we feel a sense that God wants to use us or God wants to do something through us, he'll give us a dream or a picture of a preferred future or a ministry idea or a thought in our mind. And, and it, and it kind of comes to a, 
a tension point or a friction point. What am I going to do with that dream? Am I going to obey or am I going to doubt? Am I going to follow the the voice of the Lord or or am I going to do my own thing? And Abraham decided, he made a decision that he was going to follow God, that he was going to honor the heart of God. So Abraham left, Abram left as the Lord had told him. It wasn't any, faith, this is off, faith is, it's active. Faith is stepping out. Faith is moving forward. Faith is Peter getting out of the boat trying to walk on the water. And we laugh at Peter because he fell, but 11 of them were still in the boat. Faith is, is moving towards God. And Abraham had to make, again, he had to make a decision. And he decided that I'm going to do what God told me to do. I'm going to, I'm going to move uh, towards God. It's been 11 years now. I want you to skip ahead 11 years. The dream, you're going to be a father of the nations. I'm going to bless you. Okay, God, I'll follow that. I'm going to leave. I'm going to step out. 11 years later, Abram, Abram is prosperous financially, but no kids and no land to date. 11 years later, I call that the delay. And often that's what God does with a dream. And when we make a decision, there's a period of delay. And, and God comes to Abraham and says, look, Abe, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I'm your very great reward. In fact, hey, come, I know you don't even have a house yet, and I promise to give you land, but come out of your tent, and I want you to look at the stars of the sky. And if you could count them, Abraham, that's how many kids you're going to have. That's how many grandkids you're going to have. That's how many great, great grandkids you're going to have. Eleven years later, God told Abraham that, and this is what Abraham did. He believed the Lord. I'm still, I'm standing on your word. It's been a long time. It doesn't make sense. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to believe you, God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. 13 years later. So now, 11 plus, it's, it's 24 years. He's 99 years old, and there is still no kid. There is no prom, there, there's only a promise. He's living on a promise. And, and so God comes to him again. 24 years after the dream, no longer will you be called Abram. In Genesis 17, this is where his name is changed. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. God's talking in the past tense. Abraham doesn't have one kid. But God is saying, hey, I've already done it. It's just yet to manifest. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. 25 years is just a promise, but Abraham is still clinging to the promise of God. Some of us, if God doesn't do what we want him to do in 25 minutes, we give up and quit. We pray for a miracle, and if it doesn't manifest right away, we don't think it's God's will. you got to know God is not a microwave God. He, he doesn't offer drive through His plan usually involves a process. When we get a vision, a dream, when he places something in our hearts, Often it just needs time to develop and mature. I've had people tell me, God's called me to, to do this. He's put this ministry idea in my heart. He wants me to step out in faith toward, it, toward this. But because they can't deal with the delay, they give up and miss out on what God has for them. You remember Moses? He, he, he got a dream from God. Hey, you're going to deliver the Israelites out of the Egyptians, and, and you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to help them find freedom. And, and then what happens? He's sent to the desert for 40 years. And then the desert, I mean, he's just leading cattle. He's, he's trying to find enough water for his sheep. For 40 years, he's in the University of Sinai trying to, trying to, but God, you said I'm going to be a deliverer. Can you imagine after 34 years, God, where are you? What's going on? 
Do you remember David? David was anointed and appointed king at the age of 16. But he didn't wear the crown till he was 30. Well, God, God, what are you doing? You've given me this dream. You've given me this idea. You've given, this, given me this ministry. Why isn't it manifesting the way that I expected, the way that I'd hoped for? This is how Paul says it. Paul says, when you're in the desert, when you're in the wilderness, when you're, it's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. David, you're not out there tending sheep. I'm, I'm, I'm molding you. I'm shaping you. You're becoming more dependent on me. You're relying more on me than anything else. You're learning what it is to be on the run. You're learning honor and respect. You're, you're, you're learning accountability. You're, you're, I need these 14 years to shape you and mold you. Moses, you think you're on the backside of a desert? No, Moses, you're getting to know me. You're, you're getting to know what I'm about and what I do. You're, you're not. You're not just going through suffering for suffering's sake. You're not just going, you're not waiting just for waiting's sake. I'm doing something on the inside of you. And, and we've got to be patient with that process. Many times when we go through it, we think the desert's just a waste of time until we get to the other side. And then when we get to the other side, we go, oh, that's what you were doing, God. Oh, that's what you want to accomplish in me. I'm glad you didn't make me the deliverer of the Israelites before you did this work in me. God, I'm so grateful you didn't make me king of this great nation until you taught me these things and walked with me in this way. Here's the very next verse. Because Paul, through the Holy Spirit, knew that we were going to struggle in the desert, we were going to struggle staying on the potter's wheel as he shapes us and he makes us. The very next verse, Paul says, and do all things without grumbling or complaining. When you're, when you're out there and you're not knowing what's going on and you wonder if you're just kind of floundering, don't complain about it. Don't whine about it. Not, where are you, God? What's happening, God? Have you forgotten me? No, no. You, you yield to the, to the, you just say, God, I'm, I am yours. You're mine. You make me and mold me. You do with me what you want to do. 25 years, Abraham's just clinging to a promise. And after 25 years, Sarah finally becomes pregnant. She's only 90 years old at the time. Abraham is 100. And, and, and they are excited, as you might think. And they have the baby shower of all baby showers. I mean, this baby is fine. They're turning in their Bengay for baby strollers, and, and they're turning in their canes for bicycles. And I mean, they're back in the game, and they are excited about it. They've had a, they had a dream. They made a decision. They've been through the delay. And now the promise has come to being. It's, it's, it's a reality. And then God comes to Abraham and says, hey, I, I want you to give up your son. I want you to take him and sacrifice him to me. And I, I mean, I want you to think about Abraham and the situation he's in. What, what are you talking about, God? But Abraham, he walked with God. He knew God. And, and so he said, okay, I'll do it. And even when he left the house, he didn't know where he was going. And God said, I'll tell you where to sacrifice him. He just took two servants with him. He took Isaac with him. They headed off. They went three days into a, into a journey for three days. Why three days? Because I think God was giving him an opportunity to change his mind. Maybe I, I, because as we look back on it now, it was a test. Abraham didn't know it, but God was just testing his faith. God was, God was trying to see if he'd give up the dream and pursue, if, if God was more important than the dream. And so Abraham gets to the mountain. He, he tells us, hey, you guys stay here. I'm going to take the boy up. And he even spoke faith there. We'll be back in a little bit. We're just going to go worship God and we'll be back. I don't think Abraham knew what was going to happen. It was, he was just walking in faith. 
And he gets to the top of the mountain, and he, and he starts building the altar. And, Abraham, and Isaac starts asking, hey, Dad, where, where is the sacrifice? What are we putting on this thing? What, what are we going to offer to the Lord? And Abraham said that God, God will provide. And it got even to the point where I don't even know how Isaac did it. Or Abraham did it, but he got Isaac up on the altar, and he strapped him down. And he took the knife, and he was just about to kill him, to offer him back to God. And, and this is where I call it the dead end, the, the dead end of your dream. I mean, this thing, it's done. It, it's over. I've been, I've been through the dream. I, I've been through the, you're going you're gonna to have a son. I waited 25 years after I made the decision, and now I'm at the dead end. i got to sacrifice him and give him back. And then that's where we come to the deliverance. At, at the last moment, God spoke to him and said, hey, now I know that you fear me. Now I know that I'm more important than your dream. You've proven yourself faithful. There's a ram in the thicket. Go get the ram, and I'm gonna, we're going to sacrifice him. You offer him to me. The promise was given by God. The commitment was made by Abraham. Faith was demonstrated as he dealt with the delay and the difficulties. The test was passed as Abraham was willing to give up the dream, and God came through for Abraham and did exactly what he said he would do. If you skip ahead to Matthew chapter 1, it says, and this is the record, the record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ the son of Abraham, and Abraham was the father of Isaac. Fourteen generations later, David was the father of Solomon. Twenty-eight generations later, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord, came through Abraham because God promised and Abraham believed. So what's the application? What can I learn from this? What can I take away from this story? Let me give you four uh, if you're not taking notes, take notes. If you are taking notes, take notes. Here's the first thing. Faith believes in God. And I, and I highlighted in because that's, that's, it's important what you believe in. Some of us think that we just need to believe in our words. If we, if we have a positive confession, that it will come to be. Some people think, well, if I just believe in faith, if I have enough. And here's kind of a, how much faith do you need? The Bible says if I have faith as a mustard seed. It, then I can move mountains. The, the, the faith, the measure of your faith is not as important as who your faith is in. And listen, I'm all about positive confession. There, there, it, by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, the Bible says you will be condemned. He who guards his lips guards his life. He who speaks rashly will, will turn to ruin. The Bible says there is life and death in the power of our tongue. James says our tongue is like a rudder on the ship that directs it. Though the ship is big, the tongue is a small force that, that directs the direction of your life. He says it's like a, a bit in the horse's mouth. There is, don't, don't get me wrong, there is power in your tongue. You can't speak words of defeat and failure if you expect to live in victory. You can't, you can't, oh, I'm not going to make it, woe is me, this is never going to work out. Your words are self-fulfilling prophecy. The very thing you speak has a tendency to, to, to live out in that way. And so I would encourage you to stop saying if and start saying by God's grace. Stop saying it's impossible and start saying with God nothing is impossible. Stop saying I'm never going to get out of this mess and start saying I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Stop saying I'm going to have this sickness forever and stop saying by his stripes I am healed. Stop saying I can't accomplish anything for his good and start saying, I am the light of the world, the salt of the earth. I am a city set on a hill. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God has created me in Christ Jesus to do good works, and he's going to accomplish his purposes through me. Words are important. 
but our faith is not in our words. Listen, what, listen to what Abraham said. Abraham was fully persuaded. He was totally convinced. He was without a doubt convicted that God had the power to do what he promised. He didn't walk around, I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have a son. Therefore, I said, I'm going to have a son, I'm going to have a son. No, he believed in the ability and the power and the goodness of God. See, just speaking words can't heal us. Just speaking words can't deliver us. Just speaking words can't provide for us. Just speaking words can't change us. Our faith, our belief, our confidence, our conviction has to be in God. That he is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. That he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. That he is Jehovah Shalom, the God who gives us peace. That he is Jehovah Nisi, the God who protects. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he's able to create nothing out of, he's able to create something out of nothing. He's able to take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people. That he's able to breathe life into the stagnant and resurrect the dead. That he's able to heal the broken and rebuild the hurting. That he's able to save completely those who come to Christ, uh, to him through Christ. He's able to restore your marriage and rescue your kids. He is able to do above and beyond what we ask, think, or imagine. Abraham's faith was not in his, in, in his goodness or in his righteousness or what he accomplished or what he said or what he did. His faith was in the power of God. His faith was in the ability of God. That's where faith starts. That's its foundation. It believed. Here's a story in, in Matthew chapter 8. There's a guy that's born with leprosy, and, and, he, and, he, and he comes to Jesus and hears his prayer, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And you say, that's not a prayer of faith. I would absolutely say that's a prayer of faith. Here's what he's saying, Lord, I don't know if you will, but I know that you can. That's faith. I have a, I have a conviction. I have an assurance. I have a belief that nothing is impossible with you. I was born I was born lame, but in an instant you can speak and strength can enter my body. My marriage is deteriorated, but I believe you, God, in a minute you can speak and something can change. My life looks without direction, but a minute you can talk and something can, can resurrect and come to life. Lord, I believe in your power and your ability. You know what Jesus said? Yes, I'm willing. Be healed. And that man from that day on went walking and praising and and and. and and going after God. Why? Because faith, number one, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but you got to get this. Faith believes in God, in his power, in his ability. God, I don't know if you, I don't know if you will, but I know that you can. That's faith. I know that you can. Here, here's the next thing. Faith believes in spite of the facts. The facts in Abraham's uh, didn't look good, but here's, here's what Abraham said. Without weakening in his faith, without backing down, without, without doubting the power of God, without, without forsaking the conviction that God is able to do whatever God wants to do, he faced the fact. The fact is I'm 100 years old and I can't have a baby. The fact is my wife is 90 and she's beyond childbearing years. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to say there's not a problem. God, this is a problem. I'm not going to run from the facts. But, but, but I, in spite of it, 
in spite of the facts, God, I believe you. I got a negative report. Well, I believe God. I lost my job. I'm going to believe God. I'm, I'm not looking good. I'm going to believe God. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. I'm going to believe God. Faith is the conviction that God is, is who he said he is, and he can do what he said he'll do. It's focused on his ability, his power, his goodness, his plan, and his, perp- and his, uh, his desire for your life. Here's the next thing about faith. Faith believes even when we don't see it. Faith believes even when we don't see it. Against all hope. What, what, is, what does that mean? This, this can't be. <laughs> I'm too old. This isn't possible. God, you're able, but you waited way too long. But against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so he became the father of many nations, just as it had been said. Faith is visualizing the future in the present. It's seen in advance. Here's how the writer of Hebrews says it. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. As humans, we often say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. In God's vocabulary, often you got to believe it before you see it. You, you, you've got, here, you, on June 18th, we're going to celebrate 20 years of ministry at Clover Hill and, and uh, 20 years of the life of the church. And, 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 and we're, I mean, it's going to be a great day. I, I so hope that you'll mark your calendar, 1031 service at the old Clover Hill High School We'll gather together for about a, for, for a time. Just, it's going to be a great, great celebration of what God... We're just going to celebrate the faithfulness and goodness of God. And I, I do want to promise you this. We are going to look back, but we're looking ahead because I believe our best days are yet to come. All that God has done in the past, we're grateful for, but it only gives us faith to believe Him for what He's going to do in the future. But there, really, the... If you do, if you know the history of Cloverdale like I do, we say it's 20 years old because we restarted 20 years ago. But 25 years ago or so, in 1993, a group of people came from Colonial Heights Assembly of God and came to this part of the, the city and went, started at Swift Creek, Element, uh, Swift Creek Middle School and started a little church. And over the next five years, it just, it just kind of struggled. And towards the end, there were some issues that, that happened and everybody just kind of scattered and it was down to 11 people, and, 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 these, and several of the families are still with us today. The four or five, the Zirkles, the Turners, the Lanes, uh, the Ivies, the Beatties, they, 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 they were there. And, and really, if you looked at it in the natural, you said, hey, this was a great experiment, and we gave it our best effort, but this isn't going to happen. Let's go back to where we came from. Let's, let's pack up our bags. Let's sell our equipment. Let's give it to another church, and let's, let's, let's just go back. But they saw what could be. They didn't see what was happening at the moment. They, they said, hey, we're in an area. And back then it was just deer running Branner Mill and, and, and uh, Woodlake. And, 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 but we see what could happen. We, we picture the, the growth that's coming this way. And, and we don't see it right now. There's just a few of us setting up chairs every week. But we got a picture of a church that's influencing, and impacting, and making a difference for the glory of God. There's just a handful of us now. But we got a picture that there's going to be a handful getting saved every week as the gospel is presented and, 
and, and, and, and, and God's grace is being manifested. And I, as I look back on it, I am so grateful for those people that said, oh, even though we can't see it right now, we're going to look past what is, and we're going to look to the future. They held on, and they believed God. And all of us are the beneficiary of people that, that in faith said, God, you're, you're able to do it, and we trust you for the impossible, and we're believing you for our best. And listen to me. The next generation will depend on our faithfulness. The next generation, with my prayer, is going to look back on us and say, I'm so grateful that a group of people didn't throw up the red, uh, white flag and surrender and give up, even when they couldn't see it, even when they, they couldn't, uh, 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 maybe in the natural, they could see it in the spiritual. Here's the last thing. Faith keeps on even when you don't understand it. Here's, here's what it says about Abraham. Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. 25 years of waiting. I mean, I mean, again, some of us can't wait 25 minutes. Some of us, we, you know, we, we just, we want to just put it in and hit one minute and let it bake and cook and everything. And, 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 and that's not how God works, but faith is, it's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay the boat. I'm going to stay the course. God, if you said it, I believe it. And that, that settles it. Even if I believe it or not, it settles it. Because you said it. See, and I, I think part of my job is to kind of encourage you. Not kind of, but to encourage you. That, the Bible says, let us not forsake the gathering of ourselves together. But let us encourage one another. I think if you don't come to church and you don't, if you don't feel a sense of encouragement, then then I've not done my job. I, I want to encourage you today. I want to put, put wind in your sail. I want to I help you up today that, that God has not forgotten about you, that God, God's not done with you. Well, well, my, well I'm just not going to make it. That negative report, my body's not getting any better. I'm, just believe God. You, hey, you cling on to the promises and the, and, the, and, the, and the grace of God. Well, I don't know how this marriage is going to be restored. I'm just telling you, don't quit. Your miracle might, might be right around the corner. My finances are fried. I don't know what I'm going to. I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm telling you, you trust God. You give it to him. You give him first. You, you, you steward your money in a proper way. You say, you're tired. You're fed up. I, I can't make it. I, I want to be the voice of the Lord today that says, don't become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't faint. Be confident of this today, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus it's our job just to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What well, doesn't look good? Things aren't working out. They said this. They're doing this. Who for the joy, for the, for the cross before him, he endured the shame. He took the grief. He took the pain. Let's consider him who endured such opposition from evil men so we won't lose heart and grow weary and get out the game and stop. See, faith, faith continues on. Even when you don't understand it. Abraham, if he was going to have a kid, if he was going to be a father to the nations, if the Savior was going to come through him, he needed a miracle. Maybe somebody here today needs a miracle. You're at the point where if your body is going to be healed, you need a miracle. If your relationship is going to be restored, you need a miracle. If, you need, if your need is going to be met, you need a miracle. If your vision is going to be fulfilled for your future, you need a miracle. Well, if you want what Abraham got, let's do what Abraham did. And here's, 
what he did. He believed in God. He trusted in the power and the awesomeness and the might of God. His faith was not a person. His faith was not in a system. His faith was not in a book. His faith was not in, in himself. His faith was in the ability and the power and the grace and the love and the goodness of Almighty God. Faith believes in God. I, I, I listen to K-Love. It's the Christian radio station. And, and they were this guy that, you know, every now and then, or just about every day, they'll have like a testimony. And this guy said he was in his early 50s, young guy, really young guy. And, and he, got, he got incurable cancer. And it was inoperable. And he said, this was his words, they sent me home literally to die. They sent him home with some meds. This will help alleviate the pain and keep you comfortable. But go home, spend time with your family. In a few weeks, hospice will come in and they'll help you to manage again your pain. But you got about six weeks to live. And he went home and, and, and he was a believer. He was a strong believer. He had faith in God. And he got that song started just resonating in his heart. It is well with my soul. And he, and he said, I came to peace with that God was, that my time was over. And I was okay with that. And I made peace with everybody. And then, and then he said, though, I started reading in the, in the Psalms. And I came across a verse that says, I will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of my God. And he said, faith started rising up in his heart. And he started to believe God. He said, God, if I die, I, it, I mean, to live is Christ and die is gain. But I don't want to, I got, I feel like I got more to do. And I'm going to stand on your word and I'm going to believe you. And he got up in the morning just declaring that by his stripes I am healed. God, I believe you. I don't know if you will, but I know that you can. I'm trusting you. I'm going to stand on your word. That was two and a half years ago. He's been delivered. He's been healed. He's been set free by the power of God's grace and goodness. You say, well, why doesn't everybody get healed of cancer? I don't know. But I know that God can. I know that he can. That's what faith is. I believe that you can. Faith believes in spite of the facts. In Numbers chapter 13, there was a group of spies that went out to spy out the land. And, and it was the promise. This is what God had promised the children of Israel. Ten spies came back and said, there's no way we can take the land. They're too big. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no need moving forward. Let's stay right where we are. Thank God for the minority report. Two guys came back and said, hey, let's face the facts. They're big. We are grasshoppers. But our God is bigger. Our God is able. And they, may, may we move forward in the things of God. David went out to face Goliath. The facts said he's too little. The facts said he's not trained. The facts said he could never defeat that giant of a man. David went out to him and said, hey, you come to me with your sword and your spear, but I come in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Get ready to die. And it happened just as he said, why? Because faith is believing in spite of the facts. Faith believes even when you don't see it. I can't have a kid, Abraham said. This ain't going to happen, but I'm going to continue to believe God. Faith keeps on even when you don't understand it. I'm not quitting. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm moving forward in the name of Jesus. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen, everybody.